0: The following audio is from West Pines Community Church. For more information about West Pines, visit us online at westpines.org. You can join us live Sunday mornings at 9, 10, 30, or 12 in Pembroke Pines, Florida. Or online at westpines.org. Marley was dead to begin with. Those are the opening lines to the famous novel... A Christmas Carol. Now, I would imagine almost everyone in this room has seen it shown as a movie or read the novel A Christmas Carol. Anyone seen that movie, A Christmas Carol? Anybody? Okay, I think we can all agree the best version of A Christmas Carol is clearly the Muppets. Without a doubt, the best version. So if you have not seen it, go see that version. Even though it's not Christmas time, go see The Muppets Christmas Carol. Now, the beginning line, Charles Dickens, in the in the novel, he says, Marley was dead to begin with. And then he says, as dead as a, anyone know what he says? Doornail. As dead as a doornail. And it's kind of funny, he kind of goes on, um, why is a doornail more dead than anything else? And he kind of says, I really don't know, but people say it. And then he comes around to this, and I want to read it just to make sure I get it right. He says, this must be distinctly understood, or nothing wonderful can come of the story I am going to relate. Now, what's interesting is he kind of starts on kind of a dark note. I mean, he's starting a Christmas story, a Christmas carol, saying Marley is dead. And it kind of alerts you, this is not your average Christmas Hallmark movie, And he's saying you have to know that Marley is dead, very dead. You have to know that or nothing about this story will appear wonderful and significant. Now, why is that? I want you to think back to the story. The first ghost that appears to the main character, Ebenezer Scrooge, is the ghost of his former partner, Jacob Marley. And he appears to him, which shocks Ebenezer Scrooge as he's in his room late at night. And he appears to him and says, there are going to be three ghosts that are going to appear to you, the ghost of Christmas past, the ghost of Christmas present, the ghost of Christmas yet to come, and these ghosts are going to appear to you. Now, If he says, we've, I've got to establish this, Jacob Marley is dead, very, very dead, and if you don't know that, none of, the rest of this is going to, none of the rest of the story is going to seem that remarkable, because if Jacob Marley is not actually dead, the whole thing could be a prank and a hoax, and not that significant what happened to Ebenezer Scrooge. So he starts with this one key fact that's kind of a domino for the rest of the story. Now we're looking at a story in the Old Testament about a guy named Ezekiel. In this story, Ezekiel is the main character. And it's one of the most remarkable dramatic stories in the entire Bible. And there's one fact right in the beginning That Ezekiel establishes. He says, You've got to understand this if you're gonna understand the power of this story. And he just hammers that one fact in. And I wanna look at that for a second, and here's why. Because this story, it's not just like a Christmas carol, in that it's kind of like a fable and teaches a lesson that we can apply to our life. It's communicating a truth about the universe that plays itself out in our lives. And so understanding this truth actually plays out in one particular way in our life. It brings us hope. More specifically, if there's someone in your life that you love, but you're starting to lose hope about them, you've got to hear this passage. Look at Ezekiel chapter 37. We're going to look at verse 1 Ezekiel 37 verse 1 It says this The hand of the Lord was upon me and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley it was full of bones and he led me around among them and behold there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. All right, now let's just get the the scenario here. This guy Ezekiel, he's a prophet, and he says, the hand of the Lord has led me to a valley, but then he says, in in the Spirit, by the Spirit, he's led me in a valley. This is what this means. He's having a vision. Now, the few times that this happens in history, the few times we see this in the Bible where God gives someone a vision, it's... It's almost like it's so vivid, it's almost like have you ever had one of those dreams that it just feels so real, like you feel everything in the dream. It's either like you feel anger or grief or pain or fear, and it's so real that when you wake up, it takes you a while to believe that it didn't actually happen. You ever had one of those dreams? Okay, this is like that, but more vivid because he's wide awake the whole time. So it's not like he all of a sudden will wake up and it will kind of like wash away back into the shadows of a distant memory. Like he's there awake physically experiencing this. He's crunching on the, on the floor of the valley. He's looking around and he tells us what he sees. He says, there, there, I'm in a valley. There are bones everywhere lying on the surface of the valley, kind of the the imagery here that he's seeing is imagine it's like after a war had happened there long ago, and all that's left of the slain are their bones. He says, it was full of bones, God is taking me around through it, he's stepping over bones, around bones, on top of bones, there's bones everywhere, and he's very emphatic about this. He's like, there's full of bones, and then he says, behold, very many bones, Am I getting this across to you, Ezekiel says? Lots and lots of bones. And he keeps using this word, behold. Now, we don't use behold much in modern English anymore. In fact, I would give you some homework to just bust that out with your friends sometime this week, okay? You're sitting at the restaurant outside waiting for your table. You've got the buzzer. The buzzer goes off. Just try this. Behold, our table awaits. See what they do, okay? The word behold essentially means, look at this. Check this out. And Ezekiel keeps using this word behold. Did you notice that Like in like two sentences in a row? He's like, lots of bones, behold, very many bones, and behold. He says, another behold. So he's like, look at this. Look over there. What's happening here, okay? He's freaking out. He says, behold, very many bones. And then he says this, and behold, they were very dry. Now, this is that one truth that he's like, before I can go any further, you got to understand this. Because he's going to keep repeating that the bones are dry. Now, like, why is that a big deal? The valley with a lot of bones, that's one thing. But who cares whether they're dry or not? Okay, this is critical. He's basically saying, these are not people that have recently died. There's like no ability to resuscitate them, okay? They're dead. They're not freshly picked over. They're dead. They are dry bones, bleached white. They They are exposed to the elements, so they have been laying there for decades, centuries. They are very, very dry. His point is They are so dead, it's like the last possible moment that they can still be recognized as human remains because after being dry bones, the next thing is being dust. So you're tracking, he's saying, look, you've got to see this before we go any further. They're as dead as possible. Nothing of the wonder of this story can be captured unless you know they are dead bones. Many dead bones, they're dry, dead bones. You tracking? Okay. Let's keep moving here. Verse 3. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, oh Lord God, you know. Now just take a second. We're going to just stop on this for a moment. First of all, did you notice that God calls Ezekiel son of man? Did you see that? He's basically saying, Hey, you born of humans. Now, why would he say that? It's kind of obvious, right? He's emphasizing Ezekiel's humanity. He's it's like kind of condescending, but in a good way. Like in an appropriate way. He's like, hey, mere human can I ask you a question that's clearly over your head, okay? Hey, mere human, these bones, do you think they can live? And that seems like kind of a trick question. I mean, how does Ezekiel answer this? And he answers it probably the only correct way. Because he says, well, no, they're bones. I mean, he's talking to God, and clearly God brought him here for a reason. But if he says, yes, I mean, is that what he's supposed to say? So he says, look, he says, oh, Lord God, okay, you put me in my place. I am a mere human. I'm an earthling. I'm your creature. Okay, I get it. Only you know, O Lord God. Now here's what I love about this. God doesn't say, okay, then let me explain it to you. God doesn't answer back. He simply commands them to do something. Verse four. Then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones. Behold, I will cause breath to enter you. And you will live, and I will lay sinews upon you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. He says, okay, Ezekiel. He says, oh Lord, I, I don't know. You know. You brought me here. You, I, I don't know. What, what's going to happen? He says, okay, I've got a message for the bones, and I brought you here to deliver it to the bones. Really? It's all alone in the valley. There's no human, living humans around. It's him and God and a bunch of bones. And he says, I brought you here to proclaim a message, preach to them. And here's what I want you to say O bones, not just o bones, o dry bones, God is now emphasizing it too. Oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to you. He says, God, God is going to bring breath into you. This is from God. God says, I'm going to bring breath into you. I am going to, to replace your bones back in order. I'm going to cause sinews to come back upon you. I'm going to cause flesh to come on you. I'm going to cover you with skin. Then again, I am going to breathe the life into you, and then you will know that I am God. Okay. Now, God takes you out to a valley, You're looking around, there's nobody there, and there's a bunch of bones, and he says, Okay, go ahead and say this to them. Kind of an awkward moment. Can we agree on that? What does Ezekiel do? This is important. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound. Behold, a rattling. He says, I did what I was told. I, we don't know if he was like real bold about it. Oh, Bones! Or if he was kind of awkward about it. Hey, Bones, you know, God told me to tell you. It's, I know it's weird, but we don't know how he said it. He said, I did what I was told. And as the words are coming out of his mouth, a sound. Some clinking together. Let's look at it again. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a sound, and behold, look, check this out, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone, and I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Okay, check this out. He says, okay, God, this is strange, but okay. Oh, bones, and a femur off to his right just inches real quick. Hear the word of the Lord, bones, and then a couple of them start vibrating around, start rattling against, okay, like, I had have chickened out at that point. I'm out of here, Lord. You, got, you, you can do this without me. Okay, but he says, okay, The Lord says, I'm going to make bones uh, come back together. And all of a sudden, bones are starting to rattle against each other all across. I mean, it's not just like a little rattling, like the whole valley full of bones banging into each other like a roar. I mean, can you imagine how terrifying that is? He probably wanted to like cover his ears. I've got to get through this. Okay. And then you've got to see what it says. It says, and bone came to its bone. And I had to check this out in the Hebrew to make sure that I was reading this correctly. It's not saying that there's a pile of random bones and skeletons are just being made out of these bones. The bones are finding each other and coming back to the bones that they belong to. Did you see this? That means there's like a skull over here that's like looking around and trying to find like, you know, it's vertebrae and moving all across, okay? Okay. The bones are finding each other, like there's like a patella that rolls over his foot, looking for the rest of the leg. Scapula, looking for a clavicle. I'm out of bone terms, but there's other bones (laughs) moving around. They're looking for each other, okay? These bodies are not just coming back together, okay? They're finding each other. They're all moving around, rattling, okay? And he's got to be thinking, I don't even want to say this next part, okay? He's saying, he just probably can't look, and sinews, okay, and he looks, and then out of, like, springing out of these joints... Ligaments are starting to wrap around knees and tendons are starting to turn into muscle fibers that are wrapping around bones. And then it says, and then he says, and, and flesh will come upon you. And he probably doesn't even want to look because eyeballs are coming into skulls and organs are starting to fill chest cavities. And then it says, and skin will come upon you. And he's looking around at this horror show as skin is growing across the body, okay? And he is standing in the middle. Crazy. He finishes and he's standing there, but did you notice this is interesting? The one part that he prophesied twice about, he began and he ended with the breath that's going to go in them. He says he looked and there's perfectly healed bodies. But just lying there, eyes open, motionless, no breath in them. Let's finish this up and see what happens. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, Son of Man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived. And stood on their feet an exceedingly great, what's that word? An exceedingly great army. He's standing there surrounding, surrounded by perfectly healed bodies, but they're not yet alive. And God says, okay, you've got to prophesy specifically about the breath. And so Ezekiel's standing over them and he says, Oh, breath. And he calls the winds from all four corners. That means breath from every direction comes howling, rushing in, pouring down into the valley, down the mountain slopes. And he watches as the chests of these dead bodies go and raise up. And they start blinking and they start standing up all around them. All around him, he's standing in the middle. And then he describes them like this. Does he say a whole people of bodies? A whole nation of bodies? A whole congregation of bodies? No, he says a whole what? A whole army of bodies standing around him, living. One of the most unbelievable stories, this vision that God wanted Ezekiel to experience in full, ultra, high definition, like he, he wanted to see and touch and hear, and he wanted to experience the whole thing vividly, and he wanted him to record throughout history so we have this crazy vision because he's communicating a truth to us that you and I absolutely must hear today. Last week, we were talking about this in part one. And if you did not get a chance to hear part one, you've got to go back and hear. Pastor Justin taught about the significance of the bones, and you've got to go back and listen to it. What we learned last week is that the bones are the people of God. It's Israel at the time. And the story of Israel up until this point is that they've steered away from God. like They've, they've been following after their false gods and they've fallen into the consequences of running away from God. And they're so far gone, they're hopeless. And so by coming out into this valley and seeing all of these bones, God is representing the, the plight of his people, the state of his people. They are hopeless. And he's saying, but the one hope they have is the power that comes Through the the word of God. Ezekiel, deliver the word of God and I am going to work through them and rush on them with power and I am going to revive them. And what we learned last week is the bones story. That's our story, isn't it, Christian? We're God's people and that's our story. Can you go back to that moment where, you, where he made you alive spiritually. Can you go back and you remember that moment? That moment when you went... <sighs> because he was breathing on your soul. You spiritually came alive. That moment where you, you had been running in a different direction. You had been running after whatever it was that you thought was most significant. You were running after making money or getting successful or being significant or... You're running after a, a relationship or you're running after pleasure or comfort or you're trying to make yourself into somebody and you're working, 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 but one day you just realize, but I am dead inside and I, I just, it's not working, I'm far from God, I'm far from being happy, I'm far from being satisfied, I'm just dead inside and there was a moment that God got a hold of you and He breathed life into your soul and you realize he loves me. He has a purpose for me. And even though I've messed up, he sent Jesus down to earth to die on the cross. His son, Jesus, pays for my sins but rose again from the dead to wash away my sins so that I know I can have life for eternity. And there's one moment when that just sunk deep into your heart and he made you alive. Can, Can you go back to that moment? That's our story, right? Maybe for you, it was that moment that you were sitting at that coffee shop with a friend. And for so many years, they had been sharing about what they believe about Jesus. And finally, in that moment, over coffee, you just broke. And they said, well, what would keep you from turning your life to Jesus? And you said, I don't know. And you break down into tears and you pray with them right there. And in that moment, God just Made you alive. Maybe it's that moment you wandered into church. And you're like, I don't even know what I'm doing here. I just don't know where else to turn. And I did the church thing when I was a kid. Maybe there was something to this. And you wandered in like you were lost. And you realized that day you were lost. But Jesus came and found you. And you're sitting there and you just felt, it was almost like you felt your bones rumbling inside and at the end, you just, you prayed that prayer and you, or you raised your hand or you came forward or you checked off a box on a card and you just said, Jesus, here's my life. And it's not that everything was perfect in your life, but there was this inner life inside coming from the inside as he was breathing in and making you alive. Do you remember that moment? Do you remember that moment maybe for you it was late at night, you're sitting there in your room and you had heard uh, someone talk about Jesus or you'd maybe watched someone on TV or heard a radio preacher or you sat with your friend or, or you sat with your mentor, but now you're just all alone in the dark and you just say, Jesus, I'm calling out to you and you don't know what it was that specifically happened, but in that moment, he breathed life into you. That's our story, isn't it, Christian? He's taken our deadness and made it alive. And we weren't just a little dead. We were skeletons, but we weren't just skeletons. We were dry bones. Moments from disintegration, the final moment. And he breathed life into us and he made us alive. But he didn't just make us a group of resurrected dry bones. He didn't just make us a congregation of resurrected dry bones. He made us into a what? An army. That means, he says, I've raised you up. I've, I've made you. You're from dry bones. You're back to life. So I've given you a mission. I've given you a calling. I've called you then out to do something. We talk about it here. We say... Christian, you've been rescued by Jesus. He swooped in and rescued you, but he rescued you. You've been rescued to rescue. You've been resuscitated to resuscitate. Christian, you, you've been resurrected to resurrect. He's called you to a, a mission. And so last week we talked about we can identify, identify with the dry bones But there's another part of this equation that we can identify with, Ezekiel, because that's your calling and my calling, to be the mouthpiece of God over dry bones. Now, let's just take a second uh, and look at Ezekiel. I mean, what part of the equation did Ezekiel actually do? Okay, you remember that old song? You remember that song? Them bones, them bones, them dry bones. You know what I'm talking about? The foot bone connects to the leg bone. Okay? Do I need to sing this, like, out loud? No, I'm not going to do it. You weren't excited enough. If you would, if there had been ruckus cheering, maybe, but I don't think you really want it. Okay? No, no, it's too late. Too, too late. My feelings are hurt. Too late. No, I'm not going to do it. All right, anyway. (laughs) All right. Despite your pleading. Can't bring myself to do it. All right. In that song, there's this one line where it says, Ezekiel connected them dry bones. Now that you've, like, reread the story, did Ezekiel connect the dry bones? I'm pretty sure Ezekiel was in a fetal position at the time. Okay? God connected the dry bones. Okay, the bones are looking for each other because God's having them connect, okay? And then it says, and not only are they connecting, then they br- he breathes life in. Okay, don't miss this point. Did you notice that it says, it, he prophesied in the beginning, I will breathe into you life, and then at the end, "and I will breathe into you life, but then that didn't happen. He's accentuating this part. It had to be a whole separate prophecy about the breath. Why? It's an allusion to the very first moment the first human was ever created, according to Genesis 2. Let me read. I want to read one verse. Genesis 2, verse 7. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. Here's the account, according to Genesis 2, of the first human. It says God puts him together out of the dust. We don't get a lot of details about that. The one detail we do get is him breathing life into him, and that's its moment of life. And so in this moment, It's accentuating. I mean, the bones finding each other and ligaments just springing to life, that's, to me, far crazier than wind coming in and filling the bodies. But that's the part that's accentuated. Why? Because it's showing us the same power that made humans to begin with. The same creative power is the same creative power that brings them to life again, spiritually. Is it Ezekiel connecting those bones? Of course not. What did Ezekiel actually do? Very little. God is saying, say this, Ezekiel, and then Ezekiel says it. I mean, if God's speaking to Ezekiel, why can't God just speak to the bones? Ezekiel's pretty irrelevant in the whole equation. Why did God use Ezekiel? He just wanted to. And the moment the words come fumbling out of his mouth, the miracle starts happening. Why did he use his eagle? He just wants to. That's what God does. That's how he operates. Look at what he says in in Romans chapter 10. Romans 10 verse 14. It's talking about how do people ever actually hear and put their faith in Jesus. Here's what it says. How then will they call on him who they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him who they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Here's what it says. you got to hear this logic. It's pretty airtight. It shows how God functions. He says, okay. Someone wants to find salvation, they call out and say, Jesus, I believe you died for my sins, I believe you rose again from the dead, and that that, of that alone saved me. It's Jesus that changes everything in my life, and I believe in you. They call on the name of Jesus. But they can't call on someone that they don't believe, and they can't believe in someone they've never heard, and... They can never hear of someone unless someone tells them about Jesus, and no one will go out and tell someone about Jesus unless they're sent. In other words, unless there's someone that says, hey, Christian, you're supposed to go out and tell people about Jesus. We are that army of resuscitated bodies to go out to resuscitate bodies. Consider yourself sent. You're called to go take the message of Jesus, you're called, you're, you've now been sent, so now you're called to go take that message to people so that now they can hear about Jesus, so then they, they can believe on Jesus, and then they can call on Jesus and be saved. He says that's God's plan for how he's, he wants to do it. He doesn't need us, he just wants to use us. If there's one truth to walk away, we're like the bones, but we're also like Ezekiel. We are called to go and do what Ezekiel did. Just preach what he tells us. Why? There's one truth you got to hear. He just wants to use you. He just wanted to use Ezekiel to speak over dead and very dry bones. So that the creative power of bones finding each other could happen. He just just wanted to use Ezekiel's words. Spring ligaments to life and tendons and, and send muscle sinews spiraling around bones. And he just... He just wanted to use Ezekiel to be a part of the creative work of having organs populate a chest cavity and a body and a skull. And he just wanted to use Ezekiel to have skin start crawling over a body and covering it over. And he just wanted to use Ezekiel to work the miracle of the breath of life rushing into a valley and and watching chests fill up as they're starting to be filled with the breath of life. He just wanted to involve Ezekiel in that unbelievable recreation work. That's all. He just wants to use you to see someone who's spiritually dead come to life and their eternity to be permanently and forever changed. That's all. He just wants to use you for that. He just All it is, it's really simple. He just wants to bring you in to the same power that created a human. He wants to bring you in as part of the equation to be the same life-giving power that resuscitates a spiritually dead person. That's all. He just wants to use you to work, to be a part of the most powerful miracle that will ever happen in the eternal history of that particular person that you probably know and love. That's all. He just wants to use you. So what do we do with with that kind of information? Two things. It's very simple. He just wants to use you. So the first thing is, just be obedient like Ezekiel. He said, so I prophesied as I was commanded. He says, just say what I tell you to say. No more, no less. Because ultimately it's not up to you and me, is it? You know that that moment at work when Someone says, hey, Christian, I got a question for you. And you're like, oh, boy, here we go. And they want to let you be like the represent, representative of God himself, okay? And now you're on trial. And you say, oh, no, what God, why am I here? What, what, could, there's got to be other people. I, I wish I was someone else or I knew more answers. I was better on my feet. I just, I don't know what to say. God's like, okay, just say what I tell you. And quietly in that moment, just pray, God, just speak through me. Why? It doesn't matter who's in that moment, it's always only God, isn't it? Can I give you a piece of good news? Like Ezekiel, you're completely irrelevant in the equation. You say that? That's kind of offensive. Okay, that's a a, a piece of good news that I find myself find comfort every single Sunday. You'll be like, amen to that. (laughs) Every single Sunday, I realize, okay, I'm really irrelevant. I'm just going to open this up, and Lord, I I don't know. This is what this says. And then if God is going to work, if he's going to work, our part of the equation, he's like, look, I'm going to do it all. I just want to use you in the process. So I just need you to be obedient and let me work. Just say what I tell you, no more, no less. I mean, at any point when you read this, do you ever stop and say, man, that Ezekiel, what an incredible speaker he must be. I mean, he must have had a killer opener to that little lesson he gave. I mean, his illustration, did he have like a PowerPoint presentation for those bones? You don't even think about that. It doesn't even matter. Ezekiel had one thing. God, you tell me to say this, I'm going to say it. Because God says, you say this, I am going to bring them to life. All you have to do, you don't have to go in and kick down the door and beat him over the head with the Bible and smash bones together. That's not your role. You just calmly realize, you just say what he commands you to say. You say what's on your heart. It's going to take boldness. It's going to take courage. It's going to be risky. But you just say what he tells you to say, no more, no less. He's like, I'm just trying to bring you into a work that I am going to do that's the same in this room it's those of you who serve in kids ministry and it's your turn to teach the lesson or to lead the discussion and you're like i don't know how to do this why did they think i'd be good for this there's got to be people that are more qualified for this it's irrelevant it's always only god and he's put you there you just give your part and watch the miracle that god does you're you're in student ministry and you're serving and you're a tribe leader and you get that question that you're like, okay, I did not get trained to answer this question in my tribe here in student ministry, okay? You just say, Lord, give me the words. And you just say what he puts on your heart. He's like, it was never about you anyway. It was never about your wisdom, your giftedness, your knowledge. You just go where I tell you. You just say what I tell you. You're a community group leader. The discussion takes a weird turn. You don't know what to do. You say, man, I wish someone else was here. God doesn't. He put you there. You just be obedient. Say what he tells you to say. It might be risky. It might take boldness. You just say what he puts on your heart. You do the best that you can and know that it's always, was always going to be his miracle anyway. You know, you have an opportunity to practice this this week. On your chair, everyone... Has an invite card. Can you go ahead and just grab that? Can everyone grab one of these? You got you have a couple of these invite cards on your chair. Maybe you you can even grab more in the back as you leave. We all have an opportunity to practice this this week. He's commissioning us. We have now been sent. We're going out to invite someone to come to church. That's sometimes risky. That sometimes pushes us out of our comfort zone. That takes boldness and courage. He says, just be obedient. Invite, take that step. Hey, um, this is what's going on at my church. I'd love for you to come. No pressure, but you're always invited. Invite that person to church and say, because he's like, look, I'm coming in behind you and I am going to work. Expect a miracle. He's like, I I just want to use you. I just want you to be a part of it. One day when that person you've been praying for and you invited and you're shocked that they came is sitting in a purple chair next to you and in that moment when they hear about how much God loves them and Jesus did for them, they're sitting, a single tear rolls down their cheeks and then you have many tears rolling down your cheeks because you're witnessing a miracle of God breathing life, creative power into their soul and you got the privilege of being a part of it. That's all. He just wants you to be a part of it. That's the first thing. We're just obedient. But here's the second thing. If if we're like Ezekiel, never, never, never give up hope. Who's that friend that you've spent many, many hours in prayer over? that you're starting to lose hope. And you say, you don't understand. This person is so far from God. They don't want anything to do with it. They, I can't even bring up the concept around them. They are so far. They're, they, they are like, like completely dead inside. Oh, completely dead? You mean like dead as a doornail? Or you mean like dead like a dry skeleton dead like 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 one breath away from disintegration kind of dead because if they're that dead perfect that's the type of dry bones that God breathes life into never never give up hope for that friend that sibling that aunt that uncle that coworker that parent Never, never give up hope. But can I talk to some of you in particular? Some of you spouses, you've been praying for your husband or your wife for so many years. Please don't give up. Please don't give up. Keep praying. They're never too far gone for God to breathe life into them. Can I talk to another group of you? Parents who has a wayward prodigal? A child that's strayed and you say, God, please, your heart breaks for them. So many tears you've shed for them Praying, God, draw them back to you. Please don't give up. He breathes life into the driest bones. It's always going to be him. And I want you to see what kind of power he uses. It's the same power That created life is the same power that's going to bring them back to life spiritually. Moms and dads who are heartbroken for your kids, praying for them. Do you know what that means? The same power, moms. That was at work in your womb, that miracle, that same power as that baby was growing in your womb. So many years ago, he was knitting that baby together in your womb. And one day, you held that child for the first time and you said, God, what a miracle. As you looked into this little wiggling child that he had entrusted to you. He's saying to you today, it's the same power that I will use to breathe life into their souls and call them to spiritual life please don't give up please keep praying please keep hoping. there was a woman named Monica and she was so broken over her son. he was so far from God he was just he was partying and he was he was living a life that was that was destroying him and he was so far from God wanted nothing to do with God but his his strong christian his devout mother her name was Monica kept praying and praying and praying and praying and weeping and weeping and weeping and one day she went to her pastor and said what should i think what should i pray about my son who's so far away from the lord and this is What the pastor said to her, he said, hold on to this. It is inconceivable that he, your son, should perish. A son of tears like yours. In other words, there is no way that God would pair this child with a mother that is so fervently weeping and praying for the child if that child was not a marked man for the gospel. That story took place about 1700 years ago and Monica's son was a man who became known as St. Augustine, one of the most powerful and most influencing men in all of Christian history. Never, never give up. He breathes life into dry bones. One more group I need to talk to. Because I believe in this room, there are some prodigals. I believe watching online right now, there are some prodigals. And you know there was, you have a mother or a father or a grandmother, grandfather, abuela, abuelo, who has been praying for you for years and years and years, and they've shed many tears for you. They just want you to find life in Jesus. And they want you to turn from the life that's destroying you and find your creator and find forgiveness and find new life and let him breathe into your soul. So prodigal, please today, come home. Prodigals that are here in this room, today is the day. He's waiting for you. Your Father God is leaning in, watching for your return, ready to take you into his arms just how you are today. Come home, prodigal. May this be the moment of your salvation. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Let's take a moment where we sit before the Lord together. For you prodigals out there, please call on the name of Jesus. Find salvation, find forgiveness, find assurance that you will spend eternity in heaven. Do that today. And if you want to do that, would you just simply make these words I'm going to utter your prayer silently in your heart, whether you're sitting there watching online somewhere or sitting in this room, make this your silent prayer in your heart. Just say, Jesus Thank you for loving me. Thank you for running after me. Thank you for dying on the cross to pay for my sins. Thank you for rising from the dead. I believe that you did. And I believe that it's what saves me for eternity. I give you my life. I surrender. And in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. For more resources and to check out other teaching series, please visit our website at westpines.org. If you would like to speak to somebody about beginning a relationship with Jesus or ask any questions you have about this teaching, please call at 954-432-0321. Or you can email us at podcast at westpines.org.